Welcome to Living Well with Alan Davey. I'm Rob Holding, your host, and Alan, good to have you back again. Nice to be back again, Rob. Thanks. Um, when we spoke last time, we talked about some of those lies that we believe that we're growing up with. Are we talking about like three or four <coughs> big lies that we all believe, or is there just like a huge number of them? Uh, I think... There, there are a few that seem to crop up. There is, a, there is a large number because children are good absorbers of information, poor interpreters. Yep. And so most of the lies we form are formed in our childhood and they come from absorbing stuff and misinterpreting it. And so that misinterpretation has quite a wide, wide spectrum. Yep. So, uh, so in a general sense, no, there are quite a lot of them. Um, but in a, in, a, in a more specific sense, there, <coughs> there are two or three that I come across that... Um, that 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 are a little bit more common, and uh, they all carry weight. But the two or three that I come across that seem to uh, s- seem to carry a really deep wound, uh, the ones around I'm not good enough. Yep. Um, have I got what it takes? Those sorts of things, and they <coughs> they often actually come from home. Those ones seem to come from home. And if I was to get a little bit more specific about that, they do seem to come from um, probably a dad. Yeah. Probably a dad or certainly a significant male figure in a life. Have you ever figured out why it doesn't come from mum or is it because mums are actually more nurturing and, and, and more loving and yeah. more kind? Yeah, no, that's exactly right actually. Um I mentioned to you before we started this morning, I write articles for our local paper. Yep. I've written, I wrote an article uh, last month that went out in the paper, and I'll, I'll actually read it to you if you like, yep. because that actually helps to unpack that a little bit. Um, <clears throat> so this is a secular newspaper that I write for. It's a real privilege. I've been doing it for years now. Um, <clears throat> so I'll just read what I wrote, if yep. you don't mind. It goes, it's 500 words. Um <clears throat> While looking after one of our grandparents the other day, I said to Ginny, which happens to be my wife, I can't work out how such a small sippy cup can get everything so wet. I'll stop you there. That'll be a grandchildren or not grandparent that you were looking after. Oh, did I say grandchildren? Well, I suppose some grandparents have sippy cups. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting to the stage of Do you want to start again? (laughs) That's fair call. Okay. Thank you for pointing that out, Rob. That's what yeah. I do. <laughs> well, looking after one of our grandchildren the there other day, go. I said to Ginny, I can't work out how such a small sippy cup can get everything so wet. And feeding the little one was like turning on a blender while forgetting to attach the lid. As parents, we spend the first 18 months of our child's life teaching them to walk and talk, and the next 18 years teaching them to sit down and listen. Can't find your kids? Don't worry. Just sit on the toilet. They'll find you straight away. I particularly like this one. During an argument, a 14-year-old, in a tone of defiance, asked his father if he was adopted. With a sly grin, the dad replied, no, not yet, but we have placed the ad. (laughs) With all this said, the truth is, if need be, most parents wouldn't hesitate to risk their own life to save their child. And if they saw their son or daughter with a genuine need, they would do whatever they could to meet that need. Regarding needs, two significant ones we all have are the need to know that we're valued and the need to know that we belong. Being secure in these is like the anchor that keeps our soul from being swept away by the storms of life and broken against the rocks of despair and worthlessness. These needs are known to be largely met in our childhood by our parents. 
It's interesting to understand that primarily it's mothers who meet the need for nurture and belonging, like we were just talking about, yep. and fathers who meet the need for worth and value. Not long ago, I was talking to a teenager about how his life was going. While asking him about his family, he said, I don't have a father, he left years ago, but that's never bothered me. If I saw him on the street, I'd smash him in the face. It wasn't hard to see this young man was deeply hurt over the absence of a dad in his life. I remember reading a story of how, with Mother's Day approaching, a prison warden decided to make Mother's Day cards available to the inmates. All these cards were taken and posted off. With this, with this success, as Father's Day approached, the warden now made Father's Day cards available. Not one of them were taken. One of the questions a boy subconsciously seeks to answer is, have I got what it takes? Am I good enough? One of the questions a girl subconsciously seeks to answer is, am I worthy of being loved? Am I worthy of being pursued? The conclusions we come to here will go away a long way to determining the life we live. As I mentioned earlier, <coughs> raising children is a messy business, and as parents, we make mistakes along the way. Don't underestimate the deep healing that can be found in reaching out with a sincere apology to those we may have hurt. I am so sorry can be the most powerful words of healing we could ever give or receive. <coughs> That'd be a good start, the words I'm sorry. Yeah. But that I don't think that's a cure, though, is it? It's... it's, it's... No. So it's like, okay, I accept that you're sorry, but I'm still living with this. Sure. You know, the, the young man that, you know, you know, my father left when I was a kid, but it doesn't bother me. But if I saw him, I'd smack him. Yeah. yeah well, yes, it does bother you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's an indicator of the deep wound, isn't yeah. it? So, so in a general sense, a father, the, the wound that a father can, um, can bring across to their child is the wound of am I good enough? Have I got what it takes? That's in a general sense. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and it's the father that can come back to answer that question. And I'll go forward and then come back. And we as Christians have the father. Yep. That's the beautiful thing. We, have, we are now able to orientate ourselves to the father. And as a, as a man, I can hear the father say, of course you have what it takes. As a woman, the, the father can speak to the woman and say, you are my beloved daughter, yep. of course you're worth pursuing. Yes. And that helps orientate us back to that. And so, so from that point of view, God is able to restore us back to the original image we were created in. It's it's not. I mean, <laughs> number one, I'm going. Why do we have this incredible need for significance? Why why do I have to feel that I'm worth something? I mean, it must be something that's that God's created into yeah. us. But we all have it, and you, know, yeah. and you can sit there and you can overanalyze that, and you go, "Oh, it's it's pride. I need to be more humble and everything." But it's there within each of us. I that I have to know that I'm worth something. Yeah. When, when we were created to live in the Garden of Eden, it was paradise. It was beautiful. God walked with us in that garden, and 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 our significance was not in question. Yeah. Because we saw the Creator, we walked with Him, we experienced His love, we had interaction with each other and with our Creator, and so we had a knowing about that that was deep and profound. Probably not a conscious one, though, would it be? It, it'd be well, in the garden, be, I'm not so sure. Be like uh, a, a subconscious. That's right. It was just the fact a that knowing. God's with us. We know. Yeah. We, it's a knowing. Yeah. Isn't it? We just we yeah. just we know what we know. 
now that we're not in the garden and we live in a broken world, then then that has been that has been damaged, and so therefore that is missing. And so because that is missing, we need to go looking for it. Yeah. And it's in the going looking for it that um, that the goal is to orientate ourselves back to where it where where the security of that comes from. And when we don't do that, which is which basically is all of us, Rob, we're all yeah. born looking in the wrong direction. When we don't do that, then we look at ourselves in the mirror and we say, well, I don't have what it takes. I'm not worth pursuing. I'm not worthy of being loved. I remember, uh, and I don't know if I mentioned this previously, one of my problems is I have so many stories and, and, and anecdotes that I keep using them over and over and over. But uh, Gary Smalley, in one of his uh, marriage seminars, and he said he had this little light bulb with a yep. uh, extension cord, and he says, "What we do is we go around, we we, we try and get our light bulb to go, and we plug it into yep. Alan because he's a good counselor, so he's going to make me feel significant." But, yep. but but then what I end up doing is, and the bulb goes dimmer and dimmer. Yep. You know, I've burned Alan out, yep. so I'll go and find yep. a girlfriend, or I'll go and this. He says, "What we need to do is we need to plug it into God." But often our understanding of God as Father, and I remember a song on Rima and the. One of the lyrics was, I can't, you know, it's like because of what's happened in my life, I can't call you father, so can I just call you friend? Mm -hmm. So our understanding, if you had an abusive father, an absent father, or whatever father, that's mm -hmm. that tailors your understanding of God the Father. It absolutely does. And that's and, and I think I, I think from a spiritual point point of view, that's where the battle is. Yeah. Is reconnecting to who the Father truly is, who he claims he is not who we perceive him to be because of the damage that's been inflicted on us via, you know, a, a male adult role model slash yeah. father. So that's not just lies about me, is it? That's that's lies, you know, I'm not just believing lies about me, I'm now believing lies about who God is yeah. as the father and yeah. I'm basing that on my natural father whether I knew him or not. Yeah, that's right. So that's another lie to get rid of. Yeah, <coughs> that's... <laughs> So I've just I, I, created lots of extra work for you. Well, <laughs> like, uh, you know, one of my lines, Robin, I would have said it probably numbers of times in the cast, podcast we've had, is that the whole quest of our life is to regain the original image we were created in. Yeah. And so what is the original image? Well, you know, the original image, I'm a son or a daughter of the living God who loves me. Yeah. That's the original image. So that's the quest of our life. And I, th I think that is what it is all about. And so, so anything that's getting in the way of that, we need to recognise that and get it out of the way. <clears throat> I, um, before lockdown happened, I was going to a local prison to run a, um, a um, what do you call it, a program, uh, probably three times a year, and was what did we call that? Uh, making your mind your friend for the inmates. Okay. Yep. And um, one one day. Going going to this prison. It was a cold, frosty morning, and um, I, I got the seminar or, or the little meeting started about nine thirty, I think. And so I was there about nine o'clock. And so the frost was still down. It was very, very cold. And uh, in this particular wing of this particular prison, it was built in the fifties, and it was made of um, concrete walls and iron bars. Like oh, a concrete block and yeah, yeah. So it literally yeah. was. So it was very, very cold. Even in summer it was cold, let alone what it felt like in the middle of winter in a frosty morning. And so we go into this large room, the guard takes me into the large room and he's attempting to get the heater going and the inmates are walking out yeah. and the heater's not going to go. Okay. But he's 
making a valiant attempt because yep. he needs to be trying to do something because the inmates are not going to be happy. And so, so I'm in there and the inmates are walking in and um, <coughs> they're looking around and I won't use their language, but you'll get what I mean. You know, it's effing cold in here, get the effing heater going and, um, and, the in, and, and, and the guard's having a crack at that. And I look at the inmate, inmates and I say to them, imagine the heater was going, how would you be feeling? And I, I caught the guard out of the corner of my eye, look at me, and he rolls his eyes back as if to say, yep. don't wind these guys up, mate. They don't need to be wound yep. up. And so I, I, I pursued it a bit further. I said, you know, okay, imagine imagine the heater is going here. How would you be feeling? Or would be effing warm, wouldn't we? I said, yeah, okay. So now, now it's warm in this room. Now I want you to imagine you're not in this room anymore. You're out there in the hallway. What do you need to do to get warm? And they had some very creative ideas, ideas I hadn't thought of. <laughs> but ultimately they came up with the one that I was thinking of, which was to open the door and to walk into where the warmth is. Yep. <clears throat> so I said to them, okay, whose job is it? Is it the heater's job to find you out there or is it your job to come to where the heat already is, the warmth already yep. is? Well, no, of course it's our job to come to where the warmth is. It's there, so it's our, it's our role to come in. I said, okay, good. And so I just took it a little further. I looked at them and I said, okay, who here wants love, joy and peace? And these are, you know, yeah. big, burly, tatted up guys. Who here wants love, joy and peace? And all of them without exception, of course we effing do. Yeah. And I said, God claims to be the source of that love, joy and peace. He's made himself available. Yeah. Perhaps the reason you're not experiencing it is because you're a little far away than you should be. You're standing out in the cor I'm corridor refusing to come in. Exactly. I yeah. encourage you to come in because he's made himself available. Yeah. I never took it any further than that because I, I wasn't there for that. I was yeah. there to help them make their mind their friend and not to, uh, not, <coughs> not to go down that track. But I did make the most of that moment for them. <sighs> Yeah, it's because the close, the closer we get to the source of life, and I guess that's my point. The closer we get to the source of life, the closer we get to God, the more we are actually genuinely able to experience Him as He truly is, not as our perception perceives Him to be. Yeah, and there are things that get in the way of that absolutely, and that's that's the role of you know a pastor and a counselor and 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 and, and uh, a community of faith and you know those sorts of things. <laughs> it's not going to happen overnight. It's you know to quote Rachel Hunter. It's um, we we learn by rote. You know, in the classroom we had two plus two is four, and three plus three is six, and we learn that by rote. And it's this what we've learned these lies that that I'm believing about myself. I've learned because as a child they were repeated over and over yeah. and over. My perception. Whether it was intended or not, my perception has put that lie in. You can't just go, oh, no, actually, Alan, you you are significant. Go, oh, bang, yeah. great, that's, I'm fixed. Yeah. You know, it needs that repeated over yeah. and over. And um, and again, I said uh, the weekend a couple of times, for the to me, the, the significance to, to understand the love of the Father, it's like imagine that uh, you're walking into the throne room of God, right? The elders and the beasts and the angels are there and they're all you know, God's just running the whole universe and everything, and and you're sort of like a little kid sneaking between the wings and and under there, and and God's sitting on the throne and He sees you, and He just goes, mm. yeah. You know, and so you sneak you sneak around the back of the throne and you jump up onto His knee, onto His lap, and He just puts His arm around. You. He's still continuing to run the universe, mm. right? And He just mm. bends down, He kisses you on the head, and He goes, Yeah, I love you so much. Mm. Now 
go and play. Mm. You know, we need that reinforced yeah, we over and over and over. Yeah. We, we've got to make the decision to come in, but it's it's got to be reinforced. It's not a one-off. No. No, it isn't. And that's why we need each other. Yeah. And that's why we actually need to be gentle on each other. Most all of us are fighting some sort of a battle in our in our being. Yep. So let's be gentle on each other. Let's uh, let's ex- let's express what that should be looking like. Yeah. In our lives and through our lives. Yeah. The, was it Ephesians four twenty nine? I think it's that one. They're, they're building each other up. Yeah. You know, with positive words. Yeah. It's like you remember. Um, did did you ever play indoor cricket? No, I've seen it though. Do, do you know the rules of indoor cricket? No. Okay. So you have uh, you have a set number of overs that you are in for, right? So you can't go out, right? So you're in for five overs. So if somebody bowls you out, you don't actually go out, you just lose five runs. So you're in there, you know, you block the ball, no run, right? Hit the ball, good, you get one run. Give it a decent hit, you get two runs, right? The guy bowls you out, minus five. So now you're right. on minus two. So you get another two runs, you're back to zero, he bowls you out again or somebody catches you, you're now on minus five. And... So often we start in in that um, uh, sense of well-being because of those lies, because of our upbringing. We're starting on minus 150. Right. And you're not going to jump to positive runs in one step. It's it's a slow process. Mm. Is it, How hard is it to, to explain that to to people that are trying to get out? Because, I mean, you can make the decision. You go, I, I, I understand, you know, um, that whole – uh, trace it, face it, and replace it uh, with the with the lie, right? Like, okay, I understand that what I've been believing about myself is wrong. How hard is it for people to walk through a slow process because we want to be healed like that? I think it's a bit individual. Depends a little bit on the person's history, maybe even the depth of the wound, or or um, or the community that they even live in. Um, because <clears throat> because I have varying responses with clients. Yeah. Client last night, um, this is only the second time they've been to me, um, there's every chance they may not need to come back again now because he reckoned, recognised what his uh, belief was. You know, he believed, and I'll say this because it's, it's, not, it's not exactly what he said, but I'll yep. use this as the term. He believed that he was gormless, so gormless people are not successful. Gormless people just follow along. Gormless people don't lead. Yeah. Well, he's being trained to be a leader. And uh, when he recognised that actually that's not the case, he was then able to step into what the truth is. And now now he needs to live in that. Yeah. And so that's the hard yards because you've got all these other triggers and these memories and, and events that you're not used to being involved in because you've always been on the – on the back foot yes, of that, yep. so so he needs to allow himself to get a little bit uncomfortable about that, but but he now can because he realises that actually um, the lie was restricting him, the truth can liberate him, so as long as he walks away from the lie in pursuit of the truth, it's, yep. it's like a wedge, isn't it? You step into the truth and 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 <coughs> and it's fairly narrow there yes. as you stepped into it because yep. you're not it's not and, familiar. And it's tight and uncomfortable. That's right, it's all of that and unfamiliar and all of that. Yep. But as you move into the more, there actually is more. 
Yeah. And so more then becomes available. And so right right now he may not have an understanding of what the more looks like, but if he keeps walking towards it, then he will be able to um, experience the more that God has for him in his yeah. life. So he, but he he's got an initial understanding that 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 was a lie he was believing, mm. and that there is more to him, uh, and yet doesn't have the skills yet to be that leader. Or that's to lead, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because well, my, I mean, that's 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 the other. I think the other danger is it's like people that have have depression, uh, clinical depression, and they're taking medication for it. What happens when you take your medication for your depression? You feel better, so you go, "Oh, great! I'm I'm better. Mm-hmm. I don't need my medication mm-hmm. anymore." Yeah, you know, so you can you can also make that mistake, I suppose, of going, "Oh, thank great, thanks, Ellen. Won't need right. you anymore." Right. And twelve months later. If 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 the truth is robust, which the goal is, the truth is very robust. Yes. That's the goal. Yep. If the truth is robust and you own the robustness of that truth and you are uh, intentional about pursuing that, <coughs> there's a concept I really like. Very, very simple. Try, fail, learn, grow. That's it. Yep. Try, fail, learn, grow. When we were born, we didn't know how to walk. How do you learn to walk? Well, you try. You make a mistake. Yep. And that helps orientate you in your, in, in your brain. You realise, well, that didn't work. I've got to try that a bit different. And so you try, you fail, you learn, you grow. Yeah. And then you try, you fail, you learn, you grow. And, so as, and that's the trajectory. Anybody that's successful, that's how they got to be successful. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's an avant-garde uh, musician called Laurie Anderson, and one of her songs, she says, Walking is just falling and catching yourself. Right, that's good. You know, so so walking is actually failing and learning. Right, I'm falling. Oh no, I've learned how to catch myself and stop myself from falling. Mm. Um, and so that's what you're saying there is we need to we need to learn how to not fail, but we learn that by failing. You know. Well, yeah, yeah. If I believe I'm a failure. I won't try so hard. That's right. And and if I did try a little bit and I failed because that's what happens, you do, you always get to the extent, you always get to the end of yourself. That's progress, isn't it? You always get to the end of what you know and then you make a mistake and so then you fall. A person that believes they're a failure, they either, they either won't take themselves to the extent they should, or if they do, they'll just determine in their soul, they'll say to themselves, I'm never going to do that again because that's ugly. Because failure made me feel so insignificant, made me feel so useless. It's it's set me up to be completely embarrassed. Whereas when we realise actually failure is not fatal, it's just feedback. It's just an opportunity to learn when we can orientate ourselves to realise that oh this is the pro this is the process for life yeah and li- like this guy that believed <coughs> what he believed about himself when he recognised actually that's not telling the truth so therefore I can reach beyond myself and still make a mistake and in that mistake is my learning try fail learn D- yeah and in my learning I grow and in my growing I'm 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 on a different trajectory now towards the more that's available to me yeah and, and the learning is I think back to my sister-in-law who um, years ago started making pavlovas and you know some of us we, we loved it because she failed so many times 
Yeah. 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 So we, <laughs> we, we had to eat the failures. Yeah. You know, but it's like if, if you make the pavlova and fail and you do the same thing and fail, but you don't actually learn that what you, you haven't beaten the eggs, the egg whites enough. Yeah. That, you know, say, so, oh, so, okay, so I'll beat, 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 and, you cook, and then now it's too hard. You go, okay, so I need to make sure I've beaten the egg whites just enough, but not too much. Yeah. That's the learning process. Yeah, that's right. And that's a time thing. If you don't, if you don't, know that you're supposed to learn from it. You'll yeah. just keep doing the failure thing and you'll get that, oh, I'm no good, I can't do it. And if you believe the lie about yourself that you are a failure, you yeah. are dumb, you are useless, then then you won't extend yourself anyway. What's the, what's the, what's the line that I really like? Um, flip, I don't know if I'm going to remember it now. Um, <clears throat> the danger in life is not aiming too high and missing it. It's aiming too low and reaching it. And reaching it, yeah. In other words, what that means is, it's if if we set our sights too low and we reach it, we'll become we'll, we'll think well that's near enough is good enough that's enough for me. But to, to to be honest, that's actually quite a sad way to live yeah. life. You know, we've got one shot at life. Yeah, let's let's make it a good shot. I think there, there, there's a there's a place for that. It, but only if you have, I think, if you have the right attitude about yourself and about God and everything. It's a, it's a, one of the mechanics in uh, in Caddy Caddy, he simply does warrants of fitness and tune-ups. Sure. And that's all he wants to do. I, I went to him and said, Vaughan, I've got a problem with my shockies. He goes, go there. <laughs> so I'm, sure. I'm not interested. I don't want to be the best-known mechanic in town. I don't want to employ 10 mechanics and make millions of dollars. Yeah. I want to come to work at... Possibly eight thirty, maybe nine o'clock on yeah. a Tuesday morning, and leave at three o'clock and pick my boy up from school. That's all I want to do. Sure. But uh, to do that because you don't think you can do the other yeah. part—that's that's where I. That's if that person came to me, I would unpack that to see why. Yeah. And if and if the motive was, well, you, you, you know, this to me is still a significant life. I'd say, well. Go for it. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah. But if the motive was, well, I don't think I can achieve any more than this. Or every time I tried, I failed and fall, you know, I did that once and went bankrupt. And mm. How important is a good mentor, and not necessarily a counsellor or a pastor, but somebody to walk along to uh, to help you into the position that position is probably the wrong word or, or that that you should be in. I'm thinking of my friend David Lowell Morris, who's a, a worship leader. He was um, a great. He's a great singer and songwriter. He was understudy to Graham Kendrick, and his experience was very much like the same as uh, Darlene Checks with Jeff Bullock. Right. Is both of them. Graham Kendrick's getting ready for a, a, a praise concert, and he simply goes, David, you're leading tonight. Right. Five minutes beforehand. Yeah. You know, it's not, right. it's not like you've got three three weeks to prepare. Right. It, but it's, it's Graham going, okay, I've been actually watching you, yeah. and you're ready to step up. Yeah, how important is, to, is it to have somebody like that? Yeah, it's really important. Um, if I had a whiteboard, I'll try and describe it because we don't have a whiteboard and some people are only listening anyway, so my hands are going to go everywhere and no one's going to see that. It's called the five-pointed star of change. Mm -hmm. There are five, five things needed in life for change to have any chance of happening and happening well. The first, the first point in the star... That's why it's called a five-pointed star. Yep. It's just a five-pointed star. So the first point is hope, where you need to you need to look at your life and say, okay, I'm not happy where I am. I actually want that hope, something more than what I've got, a, a, a goal to aim for, a, re, a, re, a reason, 
a reason to apply some effort. Yep. Because change requires effort. So you say, no, no, I'm I'm willing to apply effort for that. So we need hope. Another one we need is support, which is <coughs> the person you're the, talking about. The mentor, about. The, yeah, somebody yeah. alongside the you. The person yeah. that will come alongside you. So when you fall over, they come alongside you and they say, you've got what it takes. You know, you did better this time than you did last time. Don't don't forget the goal. You know, don't believe the lie, whatever. That's yep. support. That's good support. Not drinking buddy support, good Solid support. If you talk about tripping over, falling over, is this person helping you back up or are they encouraging you to get back up? Or well, they could be both, to yeah. be honest. Because I, I say to my grandkids all the time when when, they, when something like that happens, you know, well, I'm not your mother. Mm. You, know, you know how to stand up after you've sure. fallen over. Good support yeah. is someone that can recognise what's probably needed at that very point yep. in time. Um, so you need hope. Hope, support. Support. You need guidance, which is the how-tos, maybe, you know, counsel, yep. good books, you know, things like that. So guidance, because if you don't know how to, you've got to find out how to, yes. don't you? Yeah. And so that's that's it. That's the how-tos. <clears throat> so that's hope, support. Guidance. Guidance. We need self-awareness, which is a lot of what we've been talking about over the podcast, yep. is that, that realisation, oh, that's what's causing me to trip over. So we need self-awareness. <clears throat> the other one we need, and, and this one is the interest, well, they're all interesting and they're yep. all important, but the, I, I leave this one to last because it's actually pain. We need pain because how easy is it to change? It's not easy to change. And so therefore change is uncomfortable. Yep. So we need to be able to find ourselves in a, in, in an uncomf a more uncomfortable situation. Staying we're, we're staying the same becomes more uncomfortable than change. Than change, yeah. So where you are more prepared to accept the pain of change Correct. than the the the, the languity or whatever the word is of of staying where you yeah. are. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and. <clears throat> And for some people, that pain threshold, unfortunately, could be very high. My uh, my niece uh, did a, uh, a post update, you know, status update years years ago. She says, she goes, option one number one, go to the gym, do my normal workout, get really worn out, feel good for the rest of the day. Option number two, go to the gym, personal trainer sees me, does his workout, can't walk for three days. You know, she goes, I'll cho choose option two. I mean, this is why you have personal trainers and, 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 and you know, your spotter in the gym is to push you yeah. a little bit harder than what you think you can do. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, if I'm doing uh, when I and if I do exercise, I always count down. So if I'm going to do 20 push-ups, I'm not going to start it and go one, two. I'm going to start 20, right. 19, 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Getting in my mind – that I've got that goal mm. to get to. If I do it the other way, I go, oh, I'll stop at 15. Mm. Oh, I'm so sore, I can't do any more. Uh, you know, I've got, I know there's people probably laughing at the moment and going, what, only 15, Rob? But, you know, <laughs> but the, yeah, that's, so, so that's, yeah, so what you're saying, so the five points are? We need hope. We need hope, something to something to strive yeah, uh, for yeah, and, yeah. and that I can do it. Yes, oh, yeah, 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 not, not, um, not, not an unrealistic not high in goal. the sky, no. but yeah, no, that's what I want. I want yep. that. So I'm, I'm, I'm willing to apply some effort to achieve that. Yep. So that's hope. Yeah, and, and I may not be the best in the world at doing that or whatever, but, that's, but I yeah, can do this. Absolutely. And yeah. it's not about being the best in the world. No. It's about doing your best. It's about doing what you do. Yeah. Hope. hope support. Support. Which is, which is the, uh, the big person, 
you know, the, the, the person that you actually want to um, want the validation from. Yeah. Yeah, well, a, that's tricky a too. person in your life. A, a, so, so what I'm not saying here, it's it's not just someone that'll say, oh, you'll be all right, yeah. you know, but someone that you actually are willing, when, when, when they validate you, you feel validated by them because you're needing validation yeah. from them. Yeah, and th- that's kind of hard to do, hard to find something. I mean, I, I mean, we've talked a bit about about, about my psyche, and we're not going to do that on camera. Um, but as a, as a worship leader, if I have uh, another, say, a well known worship leader who was in the congregation at the time and says, "I really enjoyed that." session that you know mm. I really enjoyed that that means a lot more mm. to me than somebody going oh that was really good yeah um because it's somebody who I will accept that from as opposed yeah. to just you know yeah yeah so it's a big person in our life that's what so, we're looking so for. hope hope support, support which is a big person in yep. your life guidance which is the how-tos you know counsel yeah that, that sort of thing um uh, gaining self-awareness that realization that okay there's stuff in the way here um <clears throat> What's the saying? It says, if you stop every time you hear a dog bark, your road will never end. And what that simply means, if the dog represents a danger or a fear or, you know, a sense of failure maybe, well, I'm not going to go there. Yep. So you need to have an awareness that, okay, that's something I need to work on. And and that, that then can come yep. back to the counsellor to help yep. you with that. But that self-awareness is really important. And then the final one is, is the pain. pain. Yeah. Pain and I'm often one of my roles with clients is to dangle them a little bit over hell when they're on a road that's taking them somewhere. I say to them, I say, if you have, if drinking is causing problems, you have a drinking problem. Do you have a drinking problem? Is drinking causing problems? Yeah. Oh, flip. Now you put it like that. Yes, it is. You know, if anger is causing problems, you actually have an anger problem. Is anger causing problems? That's an interesting way of looking at it because, I mean, if you go to the drinking, you go, well, it's not a drinking problem. You know, I don't drink that much. I don't always get drunk. But if the Mm. drinking is causing problems. Problems. You have a drinking problem. That's a drinking problem. Yeah. So it just helps reorientate it. And clients, and I need reorientating. You know, I have I have my views of of what I think is okay, and someone else can come along and give me a view that that I need to to consider. That's really healthy. Yeah, uh, we've got blind spots. I want people to challenge me if they see something in my life. As long as it's a close enough person, yep. not just somebody on the outside throwing a rock at me, but I want a close enough person to say. You know, Alan, I'm noticing in these situations, these sorts of things are happening. I've seen it happen more than once. Do you think there's something there for you uh, to look at? And and I would like to think I'm I'm willing enough to say I actually do need to think about yeah. that. But but we're human, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No. That's right. <laughs> I'm what's, fine. I'm, I'm a counsellor. <laughs> what's the first response we give to anything? No, not me. Not me. Yeah. Was it me? Yeah. But that's not being honest with ourselves, and that's not helping us to grow at all. Not and, at all. You know. uh, and yeah, I mean, I always think of the, the. I mean, I know it comes back to the father wound, but in the end of Malachi, it talks about Elijah will come and he will bring the you know the, the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to the fathers. When we look at God wanting that relationship with us, and and providing us the image of Himself as a father, yeah. 
I have to go, those wounds are instigated by Satan. Mm. And do I really want to hold on to that, that Satan has specifically and purposely, <coughs> almost as a sniper, he's known exactly where to hit me with? It's absolutely right. I mean, I think we talked about maybe even in the first podcast that the only access the devil has into our life is through the lies we believe. Yeah, That's a profound thought, that the only... The only way the enemy can get at us is through something I believe that's counter to what God would believe. You yeah. know, the word sin, sin simply means anything God doesn't agree with. Sin is anything God doesn't agree with. Yeah. So if I believe that I'm useless and God says I'm not, then I would say that's error, that's sin. Yeah. Not sin as in God saying you disgust me, but sin as in we need to orientate ourselves back to what the truth is. Yeah, because it's the truth that sets us free. So that's the whole quest, yeah. as uh, I have to keep coming back to. And, and Jeremiah <coughs> often says, uh, well, God says through Jeremiah, you know, I, I rose early, sending the prophets to call you back to me to say, please. In this case, it's change your actions, but your actions are guided by your thoughts. Mm. So please change, get rid of that sin, and come back to me. Yeah, and that's God's heart. He, he, he wants, you know, He created us for that relationship with Him, and and Satan wants to destroy that, destroy us. Well, the word repentance, you know, we see it as an army term, or some of us can see it as an army term. You know, what is repentance? I was, I was at a church meeting. I'm being vague. Now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yeah. How do I say this so that nobody can identify the church or the person? Yeah. I was at a church meeting where there was a baptism. Um, I had nothing to do with the baptism. I just happened to be there. And there were um, two big fellas being baptised, which is beautiful. Yep. And you could tell, I didn't know them, but you could tell even by the look of them that they'd had a rough background and that they'd had a change of... Uh, the, you know, Christ had obviously come and entered into their yep. life. And the pastor, before they were going into to, to be baptised, the pastor <coughs> brought a message and he was speaking to these men. And he said, you need to, you need to turn from your sin and start doing what's right and, and leave what's wrong. And, and it sounded okay, but I was, I was a bit upset by it. I, I, There's nothing I could do. It wasn't my role anyway. The reason I was upset by it was because... The word sin, uh, so the word repentance isn't just simply about turning around and going another way, you know, because we call it an yep. army term where repent, about face, yep. we go a different way. You know, I was going this way. I was living, I was living a life that was, um, was, was, was harmful. Well, harmful. Harmful, uh, yep. get, Getting in the way of true life. Um, <clears throat> and so then I turn and go another way. So repentance is to turn back and go a, go a different way. I actually like Derek Prince's um, version of what repentance is. Repentance is to change your mind. Repentance is to say the way I was going actually led to destruction, actually was no good for me, no good for my family, no yeah. good for my community. And, 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 and it was horrible. The food was horrible. You know, the lifestyle was horrible. We need to see it like that. And then we turn and we say, and I'm changing my mind. I'm going, I'm going the way that leads to life, that leads to love, that leads to joy, that leads to peace. And that's quite different than just 
trying to grin and bear it and turn a different way while you're still looking back at what you thought was yeah. actually a lifestyle that had some appeal. It's interesting in the, in the in the Western mindset that we have. The if you use New Testament versus Old Testament, the the, the Greek repent is is that mind change. The the Hebrew understanding actually combines both. It's the mind change and the actions change. Good. So if you just change your actions, but you don't agree with it, it's like somebody goes, "Oh, well, you need to go to the gym." So you go, you know, you, for many years. I mean, I was 162 kilos. Right, because I didn't. I thought that's not going to bother me. I don't need to eat right, and I don't need to exercise. And all of a sudden, I jump on the scales, and it goes one at a time, you know. And so I repented, and realised that I needed to eat better, and I did need to exercise. And ten years later, I was still 162 kilos. Right, because I'd done it in my mind. I hadn't done yeah. it with the actions, and it's, yeah. it's got to be both. And every time I'd tried it with just the actions. Because I hadn't repented in my mind yeah. that my eating habits and my exercise habits were wrong, yeah. I'd go to the gym and I'd stop and I'd try this and I'd stop because it it wasn't the combine the two things together. Yeah, yeah. The other Derek Prince line is um, God will deliver you from your enemies, not your friends. Yeah. <laughs> so when we recognise that that lifestyle is an enemy, yes. Even though the food might taste all right, it's actually killing me. Yeah. You know, every smoke I have is you know ten minutes off my life. Yeah. You know, that, that sort of mindset, then then you're getting the, the there's more of a chance of you being able to say, No, I actually hate that. The only <coughs> there's only one thing an addict needs it's possibly a little unfair. The most important thing an addict needs to recognise is that this addiction is my enemy. Yeah. Like genuinely, it's, it, yeah, my it's, enemy. It's, it's not my friend. I'm it's, not okay. No, and when when an addict, which is all of us to some degree, so I'm not, yeah. you know, when an addict is able to say, "No, I actually hate this." Well, what will you do to get rid of it? I'll do whatever it takes. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Yeah, because you know the one convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. You know, you can, you can, as a counsellor, I can, I can convince somebody of something, and on the inside they're saying yes, and on the outside, sorry, on the, the outside, on the outside they're, they're saying, saying yes. yes, on the inside they're saying, nah, I still like what I do. That's that's right. Yeah. And so that's the dangling them over yep. hell bit, where I where I take them, I take me and my own thinking, Alan, Alan. This this way of thinking, this 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 attitude you have, where will that take you if you keep? If you keep up with this attitude, and and I'm 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 reasonably well aware enough to be able to take myself down that road, yeah. and I look down there and I say, okay, is that good for me? Is that good for my family? Is that good for my community? And is it is it is it a, is it a reasonable representation of of oh, Christ God, yeah. who I actually represent? And uh, and often the answer to that is no, and then it gets blooming hard. Yeah. Because, then, then it's done. Now I have to do something. Well, it's absolutely right. Yeah. And uh, as as I said to um, my supervisor a little while ago, I was having a bit of not not a moan, but unpacking stuff. Unpacking cause, stuff. Cause yes. Supervision. It's also called moan. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I said, David, how? Why is it so? Why why don't people change? Why is it so hard for them to change? And he just looked at me and he said. Why is it so hard for you to change? It's the same question, you know. It's hard for us <laughs> Thanks, to make change. Thanks, David. That's 
So it's hard yeah. for us to change. And so when we recognise that, it helps us be a bit more gentle on those that we're supporting yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about being an addict too, I mean, in our minds we think of you know cigarettes, drugs, alcohol, whatever. <coughs> but the, the, you know, the, I came across somebody the other day, uh, and and just listening to this person and talking about the way they prayed, that they were talking about the way they prayed, and. And um, I'm going, you are addicted to controlling prayers. Right. right. Everything you have told me is you didn't like this, so you prayed, and you didn't like that, and you prayed, and, and you know, often it's out loud in front of other people. Um, and, and I'm going, well, that's not, that's not healthy either. Mm. You know, it, it may not be cocaine or pee, but this this thing that even and maybe we can touch on this because we're going to run out of time shortly. But maybe next time we could we could look at um, some of the spiritual sides of our life. That again is when we go back to that lie that we're believing. That's affecting <coughs> our, our ministry and just our Christian life. Well, you know, in Corinthians, Second Corinthians, isn't it? I think it says. You know, we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You know, what what are the th what are the thoughts we have that are not obedient to Christ? What are the um, yeah the mindsets we have that are that that allow the enemy in and and um, restrict God? Yeah, because the lies we believe give the devil access into our life. In the same way, the truth we receive gives God, gives God access to our life. So if we if we are on a crusade to root out lies in our life, and on a crusade to 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 replace the lie with the truth, let's see what you look like in a year's time. Yeah, yeah, and it is replacing. I mean, you talk about Derek Prince. Um, he talks about proverbs, and you know, most of us have heard this. There's 31 chapters in, in proverbs, one for every day of the month. Mm. If you actually read the appropriate chapter on each day for 12 months, you would be wiser at the yeah. end of 12 months than you are now just because you've received this, this extra information. So it's, it's allowing God that access. And to quote Rachel Hunter again, it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. Or, or it may, but it probably won't. Yeah. But you do that on the regular basis. Do it as, as rote learning. And in 12 months of, of allowing God access, you may be very, very surprised to see where you've got oh, to. You, you will be, won't you? It's, um, you know, if you, if you make one degree of change in your life over 12 months' time, if you, if, if, you, if you projected where you would have been if you hadn't made that change and you make one degree of change, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a big chunk yes. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, after, after that period of time. After that, as long as you're walking in that degree of change. Same as losing weight. You know, you, you don't lose 60 kilos like, well, you know, liposuction no. you might, but but generally you don't. You lose half a kilo, half a kilo, yeah. half a kilo. But after 12 months, you have those half a kilos a week. Yeah. Yeah, that incremental change yeah. makes a huge difference over a period of time. Yeah. All right, Alan, thank you again for coming in and, and joining us. And we hope that, uh, hope that you have been encouraged. Um, if you'd like to contact Alan, then simply click the details down below. And uh, we will catch you next time. I look forward to that. Thank you, Rob.